Well, let's just be honest about it. If it weren't for the happy ending, this would be a tragedy. I mean, plain and simple. Every congregation knows how it is to lose someone, to die. But this was a young man, and he died during church. I mean, they would have had emotional scars for years to come. But that's if it weren't for the happy ending, his being raised from the dead. And because he is raised from the dead, what could have been a tragedy is actually a comedy. Now, I didn't hear anybody chuckling during the reading of the text. And I think Luke would be very disappointed because he is intending for this to be a funny story. It's not slapstick, mind you, but let me help you out. The name Eutychus, it means lucky. This is the story of a kid named Lucky who falls asleep during church and dies. That's not very lucky, is it? Or is it? Because Paul was there, well, that was lucky, to raise him from the dead. It's not exactly his fault, though. You heard it. Paul was talking, and he went on until about midnight. We will not be doing that. And you've read his letters. He was not known for brevity. If you read the letters of Paul, sometimes he says finally three times. He just keeps going. And it was late at night, and the folks were gathered there. Eutychus decides to sit in an open window. They didn't have glass. He sits on an open ledge. Maybe he's hoping for a breeze to keep him awake. And Paul is talking. The apostle, everybody's glad he's there, but, well, you know, they've heard him before. How many times is he going to tell that story about the road to Damascus? But they all smile politely. And then poor Eutychus, it just, he starts to, you know, do one of these. And he's trying. You've been there. Maybe you're there now. And one trick we try is to move the lower half of our body, you know, just to kind of keep the upper half awake. But it doesn't work. Eutychus just, he drifts off until finally he's out of it. And then he's out of it, out the window. When I was in seminary, the church where we attended, there was a gentleman who attended every week, very faithful. He would sit in the second pew on this side, and he was alert the entire time until it was time for the sermon. And at the time for the sermon, he would literally slide down in his seat until his head was resting against the pew, and then he would bring his knees up and lodge them against the pew in front of him. He had figured out a way that when he fell asleep, which he did every week, that he would not fall out of his pew. Eutychus never figured that out. And what could have been tragedy becomes comedy. Actually, it's a little bit of both, a tragicomedy. And the reason I say that is that is how the book of Acts was meant to be understood. One, One scholar calls it profit with delight. What he means is this, that the stories in Acts are supposed to be profitable. Well, of course, it's Bible. You're supposed to learn from it, be edified. It's a lesson for us. But the writer does it by means of delightful stories. Sometimes they're adventure novels, so to speak. Like when Paul sets sail in the Mediterranean and a storm comes up. It's adventure. But sometimes he uses the genre of comedy. This is one of those examples Maybe you remember another one. It's supposed to be funny, but 
Peter is in prison. And the church is meeting, and they're having a a prayer time, and on their prayer list is for Peter to get out of prison. Well, of course, right? Well, miraculously, an angel delivers him out of prison, and so he runs to the church. He knocks on the door. The servant girl comes. She sees who it is. She's so excited, she forgets to let him in. And she runs in there, and she goes, Oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe this. Who's at the door? It's Peter. And they say, He can't be. He's in jail. That's why he's on our prayer list, that he'll get out of jail. You do get it, don't you? Right? It's kind of funny, but poignant, that the church doesn't even believe that what it prays for can happen. It's the same thing here. Yeah, it's a kind of funny story. Poor kid falling asleep in church. It gets written down in the Bible. Yeah, it's sort of funny. But the lessons are very important. Like, for instance, where they met. It says upstairs. What we're supposed to remember the upper room where Jesus ate with his disciples. And we're supposed to say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. And when they met, he says it was on the first day of the week. You may or may not know, but in the early decades of Christianity, the church met on Saturdays in the synagogue with the Jews on the Sabbath, but also on Sunday, and eventually only on Sunday, as we do now, because they said it's the day of resurrection. Yes, that first upper room meal was about Jesus going to die, but this story is a Sunday story about resurrection. And of course, what they gathered to do on that Sunday, well, See if this sounds familiar. There was the preaching of the word, the breaking of bread, the meal we call communion. People still fall asleep in services like that every Sunday, right? You might be resisting it right now, but it happens. I remember a friend, minister friend, said he ran across a newspaper headline in the Dallas Morning News years ago. It was a Friday edition of the paper. There was political turmoil in one of the Central American countries. Nothing new about that. But it was a Friday, and someone from the State Department gave a statement, and it said, and this was the headline, we do not expect a revolution over the weekend. It was just a statement to say, we don't really expect a revolution. But my minister friend said, I'm afraid we could say that about church. We don't expect a revolution. I mean, you don't think anybody at City Hall is worried that we're meeting here this morning, do you? But in the first century world, it was in upper rooms, lamplit at night, that people hatched coups and revolutions. Because you see, the point of this story is not just that on Sundays there's the preaching of the word, you know, somebody talking way too long about God, and then eating small portions of bread and juice. No, the point is that when we do those things, there is also resurrection. On Sundays, the word is open and the bread is eaten and we are raised from the dead. Now, you probably noticed we don't print that in our bulletins, right? I mean, can you imagine sitting down one Sunday? Oh, look, honey, after the offering, they're going to be raising the dead. This could be interesting. (laughs) No, we don't print it, but maybe we should. Because that is Luke's point. When the church meets on the day of resurrection, 
There is the word and the meal, and we are renewed and raised. But for what purpose? To what end? What's the point? I think the clue comes in the surrounding chapters in Acts. The stories around this are about Paul, and he's preaching the gospel. And everywhere he preaches, they have riots. And I mean riots. Now, they didn't have riots because he was preaching that Jesus, this rabbi, had been killed and raised from the dead. Nobody cared in the Roman Empire if you believed that. The problem was Paul had gone from preaching to meddling. He started talking about the economy. And that got everyone in turmoil. And we still need it. I don't know if you saw the study. I read it just this week. In Missouri, we have twice as many payday loans as we do Starbucks and McDonald's combined. We gather on Sundays to hear the word, to eat this meal, and then we go forth, resurrected, to work for justice. That's what a capital campaign is about. That is what church is about. That is what ministry is about. And it takes all of us. And the reason I say us is because of one little word in the story. You could read this thing a hundred times and and miss it. It's it's such a small word. But in the very first verse, it says, now on the first day of the week when we met to break bread, but it's the little word we. We. When Luke starts the book of Acts, he does it the way every storyteller does. He talks about them in the third person. Well, then they did this, and then they did that. Then, you know, they were gathered on Pentecost, and this happened to them, and so forth. But... A little later in Acts, Paul starts to use we. First person plural pronoun we. And he tells the story, and then he quits. Goes back to they. Then he gets it back to another we story. And each time he does, they get longer and longer. And scholars have said, this is not him saying, well, I was with them then and I wasn't there. No, it's a literary device meant to say, we are invited into the story and we do this together. I have not seen this foreign film, but I've heard about it. Older film called La Nube, which translates as The Cloud. It's set in Buenos Aires where it has been raining nonstop for 1,600 days. And everybody in the town, everybody in the city, walks and drives backwards. And critics suggest that the rain, the non-stop pelting of rain, is kind of the, the messages of culture that, you know, say, just take care of yourself, don't worry about others, and that the walking backwards is this kind of, they're alive but not quite, you know? They're just going through the motions. There is this one group that walks forward, but not always. Only when they work for justice. The rest of the time, they've got it backwards. My hunch is you you get that. You get that. 
Because today, like every Sunday, we open the Word, we eat this meal, and we are raised from the dead. And the question is, what are we going to do now?